It's not Thursday, but we are back and live on the air. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Debate podcast powered by Delahanty Media. I'm your co-host, Nick Delahanty. To my right, or my left, your right, is my co-host. I want to throw him right into the fire. Kyle, how's it going today? What's going on, Nick? And what's going on, everyone else? Uh, welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Let's Debate podcast. Uh, if it's your first time tuning in or if you're someone who's tuned in in the past, you know you can find our previous episodes on anchor.fm slash Let's Debate. You can head over to our social media. You can find us on Facebook if you search up Let's Debate podcast, Instagram at Delahanty Media, and Twitter at Let's Debate Pod. If you don't really want to look at us while we're talking, you just want to hear us, you can always check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Just search up Let's Debate. It's uh, Sports Talk with Kyle and Nick Delahanty. And last but not least, you can head over to our shop. You can find it at teespring.com slash stores slash Delahanty Media. Um, we have some nice sweatshirts, T-shirts, long sleeves in there. So go in there. Feel free to uh, you know purchase anything you like if you like anything. Um, and you know, last week's episode, Nick and I talked about a few different things. We jumped into a few different sports. And I have a feeling that's how our shows might end up being in the near future because sports are back. There's a lot to talk about in the sports world. So once again, that's the episode we have for you guys today. So with that being said, I'm going to hand it back over to Nick to get this episode started. And throughout the show, if you don't want to uh, check out our social media right away, you don't want to miss anything that we're debating or talking about, everything's listed right on the screen for you. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun with the editing side of things, trying to make it a little more visible for everybody involved, including ourselves. Uh, so it's again, it's there for you. The Teespring store is located on our uh, social media feeds. Uh, go on today. Use the promo code Let's Debate for 20% off your order. Now, we haven't talked about this topic, and I kind of feel like we're getting more into that sports center type of feel uh, that we've so desperately wanted with no sports for the last couple of months. But the NHL is underway, and there's two local teams playing. And before we get into them, I kind of just want to give a kudos to the NHL and if you don't follow the NHL, and let me just give you a disclaimer here. I, I like the NHL. I will watch it, but it's not my go-to. So if there's something else on it, the Yankees are on, I'm not watching it. If there's somebody on the NBA that I want to watch, I'm not watching it again. But I will tune in when I can. And the way that they set this up, I think it's just really impressive. They have the Eastern Conference in Toronto and the Western Conference in Edmonton. And they're in a bubble just like the, NF, uh, the NBA. rather. Now, to me, I think that's a brilliant idea the way that both the NBA and the NHL did it. Shortened part of your season. I really feel like they just took everything into perspective and said, you know what, let's seclude ourselves to get the job done and get our season not only back underway but to a completion. Yeah, I'm also the type of person that hockey is not my go-to either, but I am a Devils fan and I do tune in. I do follow them throughout the year. Like Nick said, if the Yankees are on, I'm going to choose that over hockey. But I've always been the type of fan who, whether the Yan the Devils are in the playoffs or not, I'm tuning into uh, Stanley Cup uh, playoffs because they're just, in my opinion, they're better than some of the sports that I typically watch as playoffs. Uh, but with that being said, I give kudos to hockey as well. They've administered over, I believe it's 7,000 tests for COVID, being in this bubble and isolating themselves from society, and, and they haven't had a single positive test. So kudos to them. They're doing a great job. I'm happy hockey's back. Um, and I I think they have the best playoff format out of all the sports right now because there's 31 teams in the NHL. There's about to be 32 because they just added a team in Seattle. But out of those 31 teams, they chose 24 teams to go to the playoffs. 
So you're having the top four teams in each conference doing a round robin, which is always a fun uh, playoff format. And then the other eight teams in each conference are doing a, a five-game series. So it's a really good way to give all those teams an opportunity. It gives fans something to watch. So they're doing a great job. And I know we're about to hop into some of the local teams right now. So, Nick, if you want to jump into uh, the Rangers, who had a, they, it was short-lived, but they did get to play again. And, and I have to echo what you said. I grew up a Devils fan, uh, just like you did. At the time, the Devils were really good. You had Martin Brodeur in the goal. and you know They were just really fun to watch. And you can name all those guys off those teams. I don't follow it as much now, but if I had to, I typically watch the Devils and the Rangers. Why? Number one, I'm a local guy, and, and so are you. And number two, when I listen to the Michael K show and I hear Don LaGreca talking about the Rangers, I don't want to feel like I'm left out of the mix here. I, I like to know a little bit of something. But let's jump into the Rangers. The Rangers ended up playing Carolina in the first round. And when I was doing some research on this, this matchup and listening to Don on, on the Michael K show, I felt like the Rangers had a good chance to compete in this series. You know, they had a really good regular season against Carolina. The, the matchup was in their favor. But they got swept, and, and it wasn't very pretty either. The one, I, I don't remember if it was game one or game two, but I was watching the game. Uh, I was down the shore watching the game, and Carolina had seven penalties in the first two periods, and the, and the Rangers couldn't capitalize on any of the power plays. Like, to me, that's just incredible. Like, seven opportunities, you're going to have shorthanded. I know that some of them were four-on-four four or whatnot, but... How do you not capitalize? And that's a huge thing uh, when you're looking at hockey. You got to capitalize in those big moments. Yeah, they did not. They really didn't play well that series. Um, I was not expecting them to be swept. You know, three games to none by any means. And I believe that's the only series that's that's completed right now. Um, we know the Islanders, another local team, are up 2-0, and they're against the Florida Panthers. I thought the Rangers had a good shot as well. I know their fans are obviously disappointed. But the positive from it is that. They still have a 12.5% chance of getting that first pick in the draft uh, because the draft lottery completed a few months back. And a team that has the number one pick in the draft is actually still playing. Or if it's in, if it's the Rangers, they're no longer playing. So that's a positive that you got to take from it. But like you said, I wasn't expecting to be out, out of the playoffs this quick. Um, I actually thought they were going to beat Carolina. I wasn't a huge fan of Carolina this year. There are a few teams that... Um, are left in the playoffs. I think the Islanders have, Islanders have a nice shot. Um, I don't think they're going to go to distance, but um, and you know what? For Rangers fans, you got a chance to still see your team play. You know, they resume the season. Uh, you got a chance to see them play. I didn't get a chance to see the Devils play, and you guys may still have a better pick than I do. So to you, to me, over Devils fans, it's a win-win for you guys. And don't the Rangers have two first-rounders coming up in this draft? It's possible. Um, I'm not necessarily sure how many first picks they're going to have. Well, first round picks. Um, I know the Devils are up there, but I know the Rangers, they have a 12.5% chance of getting that first pick. That's what I do know for sure. That's a pretty nice chance. Like, you know, you got to play. Yeah, you lost and, and you struggled and it wasn't a bright spot, but, you, you know, you still have that first pick to think about. And another thing, that another topic is Henrik Lundqvist. Now, if you would have told me back when, when Lundqvist was – uh, a young goaltender in the league that the Rangers went through his career with the team, and, and it's probably over for him in New York, that they wouldn't win a Stanley Cup, I probably would have said you're crazy. I would have thought that they would have found a way to win one uh, with arguably one of the best goaltenders 
of his era in between the net. Yeah, he's been I, – I personally feel, and I don't know if this is because we're local guys or because he plays in New York, but he's definitely the, the most popular since Brodora, I'd say, in the league. I mean, if there's a hockey fan out there who wants to argue that, you probably make a strong case against it. But in my opinion, I feel like he's extremely popular, and it's because of his talent, but also the market that he plays in, uh, playing in New York. But it is surprising, and I think there are some years where you could put the blame on him. I think there's some years you could put the blame on the team and, and the coaching staff, and just the organization in general. They had a chance back in, I believe it was 2014, 2013, 2014, uh, when they lost to the Kings. But, yeah, you know, it's getting closer to to his time. His time's almost up over there, and he's had a great career. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. I don't think I'm that big of a hockey fan to make that determination right off the bat. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of fans probably think he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So he's had a great career. Um, but, yeah, a little shocking that he hasn't been able to win one and get a ring on his finger. It's shocking to me. And, and I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at some of his stats. I pulled them up on Hockey Reference because when you brought up the Hall of Fame talk, I think that you make a logical point that he is in the equation, regardless of how you feel about him or whether you're a Rangers fan or not. The guy's played 15 years in the NHL, and from 2005 – to let's say 2016, the 2015-2016 uh, season. The guy was dominant from that uh, point of view. And there was only one year in that, that time period where he didn't win uh, 30 games. And that was a year he didn't even start more than 45 matches. So, you know, the guy has been consistent. The guy has been nothing but good. Um, for Rangers fans, he's been like an icon, I would say, for the for the organization. Like, you think of the Rangers, you think of this guy. Like, for 15 years, he's been around, and now that he's 38, it, it's rather disappointing if you're a fan of the of the franchise because you were banking on the fact that you were going to be competitive because you had this guy. They paid this guy the big money. Why? Because they felt that he was the piece to get them there. And it hasn't worked out. And, and in sports, you know, some of the greats don't win. Tony Gwynn never won a, a World Series. He was one of the best hitters of all time. So, you know, you sit there and you, you kind of take it in that perspective and you just see it was a missed opportunity for the Rangers because this guy was good. They just couldn't figure it out over the the long haul. Yeah, definitely. I think he's been the face of the franchise for, you know, years now. He's definitely the biggest icon that they've had since, I'd say, Messier, um, for sure, um, because he's the main guy that I think of when I think of the Rangers still to this day. Uh, but yeah, it's unfortunate for Rangers fans. I know I have a lot of friends who are Rangers fans, and they're always—they seem to always be in the playoffs. But there's always just some type of, you know, disappointing finish to the season. And like I said, you could put the blame on on Lundqvist. You could put the blame on the team and the organization. At the end of the day, it all comes together, and they haven't been able to get the job done. And they weren't able to get it done this year. I would say this year might be the most disappointing finish because. As a fan, you're excited to get the season going again, and you get this opportunity to actually make the playoffs because you're technically not in the playoffs yet. They're almost they're like qualifiers in a sense. You know, the Carolina Hurricanes are now in the playoffs, and they're kind of just waiting to see how the seeding plays out. So it's almost like a wild card game, but it was a wild card series in a sense, and it's disappointing. You got swept, and and right now, I believe that the only team that was swept out of the playoffs. And on the other side of it, you have the Islanders who could end up sweeping the um, Florida Panthers uh, after today because uh, right now uh, they're tied. So, Yeah, so let's let's remind everybody, too, while we're talking about the Islanders. 
Uh, we're recording uh, the show for tonight uh, earlier than our 8 o'clock start. So we're we're talking about this as the Islanders are on. But they're up 2-0. And, and when you go to the bubble, I feel like it's such a disappointment if you go into the qualifying round and just don't play well. I think it's I, – I would rather stay home, I think. You know, at that point, you if you stay home, you know your team had a bad year. You anticipated what went wrong. You have time to just flip the page, and, and you don't have to go. To go and play three games and look really bad, that doesn't sit well with me if I'm a Rangers fan because, yeah, you get to see your team play, but you were disappointed for the whole entire time they were there. You know, typically I'd be in agreement with that. Like, I am in agreement with that to an extent, but it's like when we talk about the Jets and, you know, let's say late in the season, the Jets finish the season 7-9. and nine or eight and eight, or let's say nine and seven, and you miss out on the playoffs. I'd rather go four and 12 than nine and seven and miss the playoffs because you get a better draft pick, right? In the Rangers case, I think it was good for them to get into the playoffs or at least these qualifiers because it gave them an opportunity to make the playoffs and a chance at a, a Stanley cup. But they also were going to have a pick in the draft lottery and they could potentially have that first pick. So imagine winning the Stanley cup, which this could happen. Because if it's not the Rangers, there's a team that's still playing right now who has that first pick. They have a chance to go deep into the playoffs and potentially win uh, a Stanley Cup and get the first pick. You don't see that in sports. So it's just as much as COVID has kind of screwed things up, it's made sports, it's gave it like a different feel to it. And it makes it a little bit more interesting watching it. So I have, I have to throw that out there. Imagine that you win the Stanley Cup and get the first pick in the draft. I bet I bet all the other organizations would definitely not be happy with that if that ends up happening with one of the teams still in it. But like you said, there was nothing that it, the Rangers didn't lose anything from going. Like they they didn't lose anything. They didn't lose a draft stock. Like if that pick would have been would have determined uh, where they placed in the playoffs, I think it would have been a little worse uh, in terms of if you make a deep run and, and lose out. But the Rangers were out. They got a couple more games in. It is what it is. And, and hopefully the Islanders can stay in it because keep somebody local in it uh, for the time being. I, that's the team I'll probably end up watching as it goes down the stretches as long as they stay in it. Yeah, the Islanders are still in it, a local team. And, I, you know, kudos to them as well because I know they're two years. Um, it's been two years since they got rid of uh, John Tavares. Well, they didn't get rid of him, but he chose to leave the team. He was their guy. He was the face of the franchise, you know, and to lose a guy as good and as big as him and just two years later be in the playoffs. I think they were in the playoffs last year, too. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, but kudos to them. You know, it, typically when franchises lose their top players, they have to go through a little bit of an adjustment period and they're in the playoffs and they have an opportunity to, well, they're in the qualifiers. They have an opportunity to advance in the playoffs. So, hey, you know what? I'm a Devils fan, but I think I dislike the Rangers more than the Islanders. So, you know, if the Islanders got to do some damage in the playoffs, fine. But, you know. I feel like the Islanders are the NFL equivalent of the Buffalo Bills. And and correct me yeah. if, if you think I'm wrong or, or disagree with that. But I feel like you have the Devils and the, and the Rangers, who are the Jets and Giants, however you may want to spin them. I would probably lean more toward uh, the Giants being the Rangers and the, and the Jets being the Devils at this point. But... The Rangers are the the Islanders are like the little brother. Like nobody cares about them, and and they're in the playoffs and they're doing well. And like you said, Tavares leaves, and and they they just they continue to roll and and try to figure it out. And and good for them. Hopefully they go deep. Uh, as it goes on, I don't know about you, but I like Sidney Crosby. I know a lot of people don't like the guy, but I like watching him play. I I don't know why. I just do. 
I like watching him, so he's a guy I'll be watching. But other than that, I guess I'll just tune in to to tune in. Maybe I'll find a team or a player that I like, and I'll, I'll just roll with it, you know? It's funny you say that because anytime I talk hockey with my friends, who, like I said, a majority of them are Rangers fans. There's really, shockingly enough, there's really not too many Devils fans that I know, and I live in New Jersey. And when I mentioned that I'm a huge fan of Sidney Crosby, and I typically root for him in his playoff runs, uh, especially when they get to the finals, they they kind of give me a dirty look and and they question why I like that because Rangers fans hate Sidney Crosby. It's just a thing. They just don't. They dislike him. Uh, but I guess it's because he's so good. But if you ask them, they're going to say he's overrated, which is a lie. He is not overrated. Um, he wouldn't be. First of all, he came up as he was a prodigy, and I feel like he's lived up to those expectations and he's done a great job. I believe he's won the Stanley Cup three times. So I'm a huge fan of Sidney Crosby. I also really like Tyler Sagan on the Dallas Stars, who are in the round robin in the Western Conference. And I'm a big Austin Matthews fan, who represents the USA over in Toronto, Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. Big fan of him. I think he's taken the league by storm as well when he got drafted a few years back with the first pick. So like I said, Devils are out of it, but I look at hockey and I just enjoy watching the sport. I love the playoffs. It doesn't really matter to me who advances. Of course, I'm going to root for a few different teams, but I just enjoy watching the sport. I really, really enjoy watching the sport. Yeah, and, and I want to challenge our listeners, too. If you think there's a player or a team that I should watch and, and kind of follow throughout this NHL playoffs, uh, because Kyle has a little more of a grasp, grasp of it, let me know. Go in our comments, shoot, shoot me a message, and let me know what players stand out to you. And I promise I'll watch them. I will. I'll take some time out of my uh, my Yankee schedule, and, and I'll watch some NHL action to uh, see these guys play. But now let's kind of transition from the NHL to the other bubble, and that one's in Disney World in Orlando, and that's with the NBA. Uh, the NBA action's back. I don't know how much of it you've watched, but there has been a lot of exciting games that, that I've watched either a part of or the majority of, and it's just so cool to see the NBA back. And I just like how it's been played. Um, my personal opinion on it, it's like street ball in a sense at some points. Like there, It doesn't feel like a typical NBA type of game. But at times it does. It, it's a kind of a weird balance that they've created. The feel that I'm getting, you could say a little bit of street ball, but the feel I've been getting is that all-star game that we had back in February. They, they kind of just went at it. I, there's, I don't know how to explain it. It's just a different feel to it. But I have been watching uh, a few of the games. I haven't been home and I've been working and things like that. But I have tuned into the Lakers games uh, the first night when, when LeBron hit that game-winning bucket against the Clippers. I watched that. Um, I saw the Lakers win the other night when they clinched the Western Conference number one seed. And I do know, as a Nets fan, Nets had a huge win uh, just yesterday versus the Bucks to, to kind of keep themselves in the playoff race. So it has been cool. And we know some players are stepping up that – we didn't expect to step up, and they're carrying their teams right now, and I know we're going to get into one of those players in a little bit. So it's, it's been great, and I'm just excited about hockey. I'm just excited for sports to be back at this point, uh, but obviously I'm a huge NBA fan, and I'm a huge LeBron fan. So the fact that they locked up that, that one seed, I'm, I'm pretty uh, stoked about. Now, before we get into the other topics, you brought up LeBron, so I got to ask, did you think that the, that the shot before the – the game winner was a bad take. Um, because I think it was a bad I shot. I don't really. I mean, I feel like sometimes you just got to take the shot. Um, I think it, even if it was a bad shot, he made up for it. 
So you, you got to look at it that way. You're always looking for the positive. I love it. But again, and I was <laughs> going to bring it up. One of the one of the more exciting games I got to watch was the the Nets Bucks game where the Nets ended up beating the Bucks, and it was kind of a shocking uh, victory, especially given who uh, the Nets don't have in in consideration to what their roster could be, and. You almost had Giannis go after that guy. I have no idea what his name is. Still, to this moment, couldn't tell you what his name is. But shoved Giannis. They almost had a brawl. It was pretty fun to watch. Jamal Crawford looked good. He got hurt, but he looked pretty good before he uh, went down with his injury. And, and the Nets just shoot the ball well from outside. I don't know if it was just that game, but they have some guys that could really uh, that could really shoot it from beyond the arc. Yeah, like you mentioned, we mentioned this when we were covering the NBA's return to play plan and kind of giving our predictions on how we think the season is going to play out. The Nets don't have their main guys. They're without Kevin Durant, which they've been the whole season. They're without Kyrie Irving, which they've pretty much been throughout the whole season. They're missing their key guys, but this is good experience for their younger guys, just like last year in the playoffs was. And I think all Nets fans are in agreement here. You, you want to see them do well, obviously, as a fan. But you're not, you don't really have expectations for them to do well and make an actual playoff run. Uh, it looks like there's a good chance of them locking up the seven or eight seed. I, I think for sure it's going to be between them or the Magic uh, because it's a three team race right now. You know, seven teams, I believe, oh no, six teams in the Eastern Conference are locked into the playoffs. And then you have the Nets and the Magic sitting there at seven and eight, and the Wizards are right on the outside. But I just don't think there's enough games for the Wizards to really make a run here. Like they would have to pretty much win out. So it's going to end up being Nets or Magic locking up that 7 or 8. I don't give them much of a chance against the Bucks in a series. Um, if Let's say they get the 8 seed or if the Raptors lock up the 2 seed. Uh, but it's like still exciting to see them uh, play. And uh, But I'm really looking forward to next year with the Nets. Oh, yeah, the excitement's going to be brewing in Brooklyn. You know, you, you add Durant, you have Irving. If they're healthy, they're going to be a team to watch next year for sure. And like you mentioned, the top six seeds are, are all locked in. Um, you could still uh, fluctuate some of them, but here's how it sits right now. The Bucks are the number one seed, five and a half, five games up on the Raptors. Then you have the Celtics at three, the Heat at four. Indiana's only a game behind the Heat. Uh, they're sitting at five. And then you have the Sixers in the sixth spot. The Nets and Magic are essentially in. Uh, the Wizards are seven and a half out right now. So they're kind of done in terms of how much time they have left. It's only a matter of if they're going to be the 7 or 8 seed if you're in Brooklyn. Right. Yeah, and like I said, I don't think it necessarily matters because I don't give them much of a chance against the Bucks or the Raptors or if um, who's the third team? The Celtics, if they, they jump into the, the two spot. I don't think it's going to make much of a difference. Um, but if you move over to the Western Conference, same thing. There's seven teams locked up over there. And we know that the Lakers have locked up the number one seed. So they're just kind of waiting to see who gets that eight seed. And that's going to be the team they're going to eliminate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, <laughs> right now you have the Lakers and the, they locked up the one seed. You have the Clippers. Uh, then followed by the Nuggets, you have Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, and Mavericks. They're all going to the postseason. And then it's essentially, and let me just do the counting for you. You have the Grizzlies who are currently in the eight seed. They are a game and a half up on Portland. Portland's had some uh, ups and downs. There's a guy on Portland I want to talk about in a little bit. We'll get to that. The Spurs are two games out, and then the Pelicans are two and a half out. So it's And then you have the Suns, who are only about three games out. So right there, essentially, all those teams are still in the mix. And that's not even considering the Kings, who are 23 and a half back, but they're only three and a half out of the eighth seed. 
hey, you know what? I'm glad it's like that. I'm not giving that eight seed much of a chance against the Lakers unless something goes drastically wrong for them because they've been playing lights out too. I mean, maybe not score-wise, but LeBron's been playing at a high level. AD had over 40 points the other night, pretty much carried the team to victory. So it's exciting to see that playoff race. I I hate to be the Debbie Downer, but I don't think it matters who gets in there. Um, For their fan base, it's great. You want to see your team in the playoffs and have a chance to compete. Uh, but the Western Conference, I think, is going to be a little bit more competitive than the Eastern Conference. And I've said it in the past. With that being said, the playoffs this year in the NBA are wide open compared to the past years. So that's excite- exciting in itself. And I guess as a LeBron fan, I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about LeBron, 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 LeBron. It comes out of my mouth a lot, just like Jamal Adams does. And we talked about that last week. But for LeBron and the Lakers, this is big for his legacy because it's been for years and years – he wouldn't be able to get through the Western Conference. And now at 35 years old, going through a pandemic, he locked up the one seed. So he's taking care of the Western Conference pretty nicely, I would say, so far. I would have to agree with you there. But now my question to you is, say the way the, the playoffs are now, isn't there that 8-9 and nine seed playoff, that little playoff if a team's within three and a half games? I'm, I'm... Yeah, it's... I know what you're talking about. I don't know the exact number. I think it is three or three and a half. Like, it's definitely max three, but it has to be fewer than four or something like that. Look, it looks like we're going to run into that, which is awesome. It's pretty much a playing game. It's going to be between that eight and nine seed. The winner moves on and the loser goes home. So the way it's looking right now, if that season ended today, what's it going to be? It's going to be Memphis versus Portland. If the season ended today, you would have all those teams within three and a half games. So I guess it would be the eight and the nine seed. But so it would yeah. be Memphis and Portland, and what it would be would be a three game series. So essentially, uh, well, it, it actually it's a three game. Series? It's essentially oh, I know essentially it's a two game series because what would happen is if you are the Grizzlies, all you'd have to do is win game one and you're in. If yeah. you're Portland, you have to win game one and then win game two. So essentially, it's a two game series. Uh, but it would be a little bit more interesting and that's going to definitely happen the way it's going it's going to be a matter of the teams who are going to be in it and you know it could fluctuate it could jump here and there but one team that i'm really disappointed in is the new orleans pelicans because as you guys probably know zion williamson was limited to just 14 minutes in their first game he sat the final seven minutes of the ball game they ended up losing and then he only played in another 14 plus minutes in the game after. Now, I get the back-to-back. He's not 100%, I guess, whatever you want to call it. But there's people out there that are saying this guy is the next great thing in the NBA. If you're in there for a playoff run, you're trying to make a playoff push. Yeah, he left the bubble. I totally understand that. But you mean to tell me that as athletically gifted as everybody's making this kid out to be, he can't play more than 15 minutes in crucial games? That's That doesn't sit right with me. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that because I know they were actually in the opening game uh, when the season returned. And like you said, it was like 14 or 15 minutes, and they lost by two. So, for to look, you have a chance to make the playoffs in this kid's rookie year. He's the face of your franchise. You know that he's a major contributor. He's the best player on the team. Well, you could argue it's probably Brandon Ingram. I'm not going to put you that far. It's, it's probably Brandon Ingram. But I think potential-wise, it's going to be Zion. He's the face of the franchise. But the fact that this kid only played 14 or 15 minutes, and in the last seven minutes, he didn't play, and you you lost by two? You're telling me that you couldn't have possibly won that game? Are you trying to win, or are you trying to continue to rest this guy? Because we know he missed 
basically the entire season, uh, especially since COVID you know, happened and, and the season was suspended. He only played like that last month or so. And he played really well to the point where people actually were putting up, him up for rookie of the year over John Morant. So it's just crazy to me how they're not, they haven't been playing him that much. But I believe in their last game, he played 25 minutes and he played really well. 25 minutes, 23 points. I know he didn't do great uh, field goal wise, but he did put up the points. And look, they're pretty far down there in the in the standings right now. So they better start playing them a lot more if they want to make make a run at this. But also, with that being said, I have a quick question for you as well. If the Grizzlies and let's say Portland, if the season ended today, who do you, who do you think has a better shot? Ne- can I go neither? <laughs> no, seriously, it could go. Seriously, neither. can I go neither? Because I think the Lakers, I, regardless of who gets in, I thought the Pelicans were going to be their toughest opponent. I didn't think that. Um, we would be in a situation where the Pelicans would basically tank for no reason uh, with Zion. I think it's embarrassing that he only played in 29 minutes in two games. Uh, this is the guy that you're saying is going to be the face of the franchise. He should be out there. You're paying him a lot of money. I get the whole situation with him, but in the same token, I don't understand it. I, I really don't. You have eight games. You mean to tell me he can't play more than that? Maybe if you had to go 20 to 25 minutes, I understand that, but to sit the final seven minutes of a crucial game and lose by two to a team that's ahead of you, that's that's unacceptable. Do you do you personally think any of these teams can even beat the Lakers? No. That's what I was saying. I don't think it matters who gets in there, but I think Portland's a better team than Memphis, especially now that Jaron Jackson is you know done, he's not playing. I think that Portland has a better chance. Portland made a run last year. You have guys like Damian Lillard, McCollum, like they have a nice team. Um they're not the Lakers, but who knows if they would put up a, a nice series against them. And it's like we mentioned in previous episodes, the way that the, se- the the games are being played due to COVID, you have no idea if one of these players is going to go down, not with an injury, but testing positive. And that could completely change a series. So I think Portland has a better chance of going deeper. Um, but, you know, and not to jump back to Zion, but I'm going to have to. I, I think the only reason that they've limited his minutes is because – they're being as cautious as possible with this guy. I understand he was coming off of an injury with, you know, the season. Like, I believe he came back in January or February. They were being cautious with him. And even at the time when he came back. But he just had months and months to, to get himself back together. It's time to let the guy, like, take the leash off of him. Let him go. Let him play. And he was frustrated by it because that's how we know about it. He was vocal about it. He was upset that he didn't play those minutes. And then I think they listened to him and they let him play 25 minutes the other night. Yeah, it's amazing. And going back to his game logs, uh, the last game that they played was March 8th at Minnesota. He played 30 minutes. He played 30 minutes in every single one of their games from February 23rd to that March 8th span. So I don't understand what the big deal is to hold this guy back. I I just don't. uh, It doesn't doesn't make sense to me. And I, I have to mention it because it's hilarious. For the second time in his professional basketball career, he lost a shoe during the game. I didn't even know that. I wasn't able to catch the game. Um, but I don't know. Maybe he needs to – they need to figure out a new shoe. Maybe they're going to come out with a new invention for Zion. Like, it's not going to involve Velcro. It's not going to involve laces. It's just going to be some type of other shoe to protect this guy. Because, listen, he's getting lucky right now. He got real lucky with that, that game against Carolina that he didn't blow out his whole ankle or tear his ACL or anything like that. So – He's got to figure that out or he's going to have, you know, a career-ending injury or a serious injury. Yeah, I already told you. I think he's not going to be long for the NBA. I don't think he's – 
I don't think his body's going to hold up. Greg Oden 2.0, here we go. Now, let's jump to the Eastern Conference, shall we? Because there's a guy in the East that... It's just amazing me how, how well he's been playing. I'm going to pull up his stats on the screen. His name is TJ Warren, in case you don't know who this guy is. Now, Warren, he averaged 19 points a game uh, before the pandemic, obviously. But in three games since, if you look at his numbers, the guy dropped 50 three points against the Sixers in their first game back. Then he came back with 34 against Washington and then added 32 against Orlando. Not, not only to mention, he had a double-double against the Wizards. Now, this guy has to be the biggest surprise in the NBA right now, don't you think? Yeah, early in the episode I mentioned that there's a there's players showing up right now that you would not expect to be playing at the level that they're playing at. And Warren's tearing it up. I mean, look, you come in the first game back, you drop 50, everyone probably thinks, oh, you know, he's just been ready to play. He had a good night. But then you follow it up with back-to-back 30-point games, one of them being a double-double. Uh, against a, a team like the Sixers, obviously one of the better teams, they're locked into the Eastern Conference uh, playoffs. Warren's stepping it up. And I remember him back in college coming out of NC State. He was a scoring machine over there. He practically carried them to the tournament. Couldn't get anything done in the tournament based on his uh, supporting cast. But Listen, he averages 19 points a game. So he is a he is a good, solid player in the NBA, and he's young. He has a lot of potential. He's just stepping up in ways that I don't think any of us expected. But he's carrying them, and this is what they need. They want to make a run. Oh, absolutely. And, and if they – I don't know if he's coming back officially, but if they get Oladipo back the way he's playing, they might be a sneaky team uh, mm-hmm. in terms of causing some noise or some chaos in the East. Maybe they don't win a series, or maybe they don't – go deep into the playoffs, but they might be able to give some of the top teams a little bit of a headache going forward. And, you know, we've seen in the past, when in the postseason, if you have those grinding series, it takes a toll on you. It can impact the way that the playoffs end up shaping up. Exactly. And when you have a younger player like that, it's good that he kind of gets on a run like this to build his confidence. I know he's not that, that young, but he's still uh, young. But I also wanted to mention that in this three-game stretch that he's had, he's actually had the most points in Indiana Pacers history in a three-game stretch. He passed up Jermaine O'Neal, who we know was a really good uh, big man while we were growing up. He was an all-star. Um, he might be known for some good things and some bad things. He's He tends to jump into the crowd and beat up fans at times. But, um, you know, he was part of that. I didn't know he was part of that. You didn't know he was part of, the, uh, of that whole thing with Ron Artest? The malice at the palace? No, I knew that. I just oh. said, I was like, I know he wasn't the main guy. Obviously, that was Ron Artest, but I know he was part of it. So as I was saying, he's done some good things and some bad things in the NBA, and he's known for good and bad reasons. Listen, I, I still remember that to this day, <laughs> watching that game and watching Artest go nuts and, and ESPN not knowing what to do because it was just, it was there, and like the, it, that was a mess in itself. But as we're talking about guys who have stood out, um, who stood out to you so far? Um, in the NBA bubble. Any guys, any notable guys to you? You know, I, if you if you didn't bring up Warren before this, it was definitely going to be Warren because I think that's the big name that everyone's been talking about that you didn't expect. I don't think there's too many guys that are stepping up right now that are surprising to me. It's, it's just those bigger players. I know AD has, has been playing well. I know LeBron's been playing well. Devin Booker had a big game the other night, um, hitting the game winner. So, um, besides Warren playing at his level, I feel like he's kind of in uh, a conversation of his own right now, but what do you think? 
in terms of guys who have stood out to me, Warren is number one, obviously, because of how he's been playing. But I, I look at Devin Booker. I, I love that. I absolutely love him. Um, I think he would be a perfect fit uh, somewhere in New York. I think if the Knicks could get him, I know they, they stink at getting the top guys on the market, but I think that he would be an absolute star anywhere other than Phoenix. I think that that's a uh, disservice to him in his career. Um, I look at Cam Johnson. You know, I hate to go to the Tar Heels here, but Cam Johnson has been really good at, at the bubble exhibition play, even in the regular games. Um, had 19 against Dallas in a win. Uh, played 40-plus minutes. He got actually inserted into the starting lineup. And I said it from the word go. He was the best shooter in the draft. People just underestimated him because you didn't get much athleticism because he is what he is. He's a shooter, and he'll he'll make the hard hustle plays. He's not going to wow you with his size or anything like that. And he, and he maps out as a power forward when, essentially, the matchups really aren't there defensively. But he's a guy I look at. He's been really good. Uh, Gary Trent off the bench for... Um, Portland has been really good. Um, and Carmelo Anthony. I don't understand how this guy was out of the league for so long. You know, I people have to embrace that he's a scorer and a scorer at that. That's what you're getting from him. That's all you're going to get. Maybe you'll get a uh, him curse and get the F out of here or something when he's going for a rebound. But the guy's been a proven scorer. I don't know why so many teams didn't take a chance on him. Yeah, it didn't work out in Oklahoma City. I watched that close up. It didn't work out in Houston, but... The guy has found the home in Portland, and it seems to be working. I was always confused as to why, and I always questioned why Carmelo was out of the league for as long as he was, because he's better than a lot of the players that they have on their rosters, a lot of these teams. you know. And as a Nets fan, I remember there was rumors of him get, being signed by Brooklyn, and I was all for it. I wanted it to happen. I said, hey, listen, even if he's sitting on the bench, I'd rather have Carmelo Anthony on the bench than most of the guys we have. And we know he can still score. We know he has a great basketball IQ. He's a veteran. He has playoff experience. Like, why wouldn't you want a guy like that? And I know as a LeBron fan, the Lakers are thinking about grabbing him as well. And I thought it would have been a nice pickup for, for them as well. Because on teams like the Nets and the, and the Lakers, they are talented rosters. You're not, you don't need much from him. Just go in and do what you got to do. Play your role. Or, you know, and, or do your job. Um, and I thought it was a nice pickup by Portland when they signed him. Because they're another team, like they're a playoff con contending team. You have players like Lillard, McCollum, and you add Mello to it, and I think he's done a really nice job. And the other thing is, he's been taking really nice care of his body and, and really staying in shape. And, and that's something when you watch, you can see it. You know, there was times where he didn't look in, in shape, especially in Oklahoma City. And I've watched him his whole career because I've loved him from the time he was a Nugget. But he just didn't look like the Carmelo Anthony we know and love. And like you mentioned, I, I'm glad you brought up the Nets. They would be a perfect fit for Carmelo Anthony this offseason because with what they have coming in and, and the talent they possess, you mean to tell me Melo coming off the bench to play 20 minutes a night, taking 10 to 15 shots and, and getting his buckets doesn't help a Nets team that, that could use some offensive spark off the bench? I think it would be a no-brainer to them. And the Lakers would be another logical uh, destination pending if, if Davis stays. Yeah, the part that you mentioned about Melo and like how he's he's been in shape, I think that goes to show because he's fell into a situation for the first time in his career where, look, he was a superstar. He was one of the faces of the league for a long time. A lot of times, and it's expected and it's it's understandable, he let it get to him, right? You're kind of untouchable. You're invincible. And then you go through a phase where you're not being picked up by these teams or you're being cut by these teams. 
he had to kind of assess his situation and say, okay, I need to do something because what I've been doing is not working. I need to get in shape. I need to uh, improve my game. And that's why he was picked up. Portland gave him a chance. He's been playing really well. And he's going to be one of those interesting free agents, uh, like you're mentioning right now, like possibly going to the Nets, possibly going to the Lakers because he has been playing well. And I think it's a great pickup for either team. And it's a great destination for him as well because they're playoff contending teams. I would say title contenders. The Nets are going to be title contenders next year once Kyrie and Durant are playing. No doubt in my mind, especially if you add Melo to to that bench. And they're big markets. So he's going to want to go on a team where he's going to get playing time, but the pressure's not on him. And he has a chance to play in a big market for a playoff team and possibly get his ring because he hasn't gotten one yet. That's a good point, too, about the ring. And, and also, with regards to him having to reevaluate everything, too, I think he finally embraces, you know, he's not the guy that people are going to bring in to be the star player anymore. Teams want him to be an essential piece to their bench or, or a spot starter or maybe even a starter on some teams. But the situation always prevails. And if you find the right situation, it's going to work out for the player. And you see it in Portland. It's a right situation. They have a lot of talent. He's not the number one. He's not the number two. Heck, you could probably make a case he's probably not their three. But he is another option they could go to. He's reliable. He wouldn't be a number one or a two on the Nets. He wouldn't be a one or a two on the Lakers. And I think that if you're a contending team next year and you think you have title aspirations, getting this guy in the mix is a no-brainer. There should be 12 to 15 teams knocking at his door this offseason saying, Melo, come play for us. It's a no-brainer. And if he has that mindset, you know, I want to win. I'll do whatever I have to to win. He is going to be one of the most valuable players in the NBA. And I think he's going to be one of those players because he's doing it right now. Why would he change that? He's doing it now and it's working and people are obviously noticing this. I'm telling you, he's, it's going to be one of the more interesting free agency signings that we're going to see this coming offseason. And as a Nets fan, I'm, I'm hoping he lands in Brooklyn. I, I wanted him from the start. Now he's shown me he could actually play and he's embracing that role, I'm all for it. They, they got to go out and get him. Because I do, I do want to add pieces to the puzzle that, that the Nets already have. It makes total sense for them to add uh, pieces. And a guy like Carmelo Anthony has shown that he's not washed up. And, and the amount of time he spent away from the game, I think was it was good for him. I think it was dumb by the NBA. I think he definitely was one of the top players to play in the game. I think he deserved his final roster. But overall... It adds up, and he's back in the league, and, and he's thriving, and it's good to see because Melo is one of those guys that you kind of just root for ever since he came out of Syracuse. Now, the NBA playoffs rolling closer. What are you looking uh, forward to in terms of watching the NBA? Anything uh, standing out to you? As I know you mentioned you want to watch your boy LeBron, but is there anything else you're keeping a close eye on here as we uh, inch closer to the playoffs? You know, I don't think there's much – more to watch than what we're already watching, if that makes sense, because we mentioned how the the race, the playoff races are right now. We know the Western Conference is a little bit more wide open. The Eastern Conference is pretty much closing. So we know how that's going to play out. So it's going to be interesting to see how the Eastern Conference plays out once they get into the actual playoffs, because I do think um, as much as the, the final spots are closing, I think it's still a wide-open conference. I think the Western Conference is also wide open. The exciting thing I'm looking forward to is if we get that 8 or 9 game, basically that little tiny playoff series to see where that 8 seed is, and then how the Western Conference plays out. Overall, it's going to be wide open. I think it's going to be exciting to watch. And an interesting part of this is going to be if any of these players 
um, test positive for the virus because that's going to change the entire landscape of the playoffs depending on the player and, and which team he's on. What do you think? That's huge, too, about the virus, and that's something that I necessarily wasn't thinking about as we're talking about this because you're thinking you're in a bubble, you're you're secluded, you're not really exposing yourself, but there's always that chance and you never know. For me, I hate to say it, and you mentioned it earlier about like how it's an all-star game type of feel. I feel like we're starting to get closer to that fourth quarter of the all-star game where everybody tries to uh, mm-hmm. to play hard and win. And I just can't yep. wait for the playoffs. I want to fast forward these kind of exhibition games. They've been fun. I've been enjoying them. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking to myself, if LeBron loses this game, it doesn't matter. The guy's going. He's the one seed. If the Clippers lose yep. this game, it doesn't matter. Like For some of these teams, they don't matter. So I want those games where they're actually playing against another team in a playoff series where we actually have something on the line. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'll watch, obviously, these exhibition games to keep up with everything, but I'm looking forward to the games that count in the playoffs, and I want to see how the breakdown of the playoffs happen because I think it's going to be an interesting battle on both sides. Yeah, exactly. And I guess before we jump into football, the last thing I'll ask is, are you sticking to your finals prediction? Yeah, I'll stick to my finals prediction. What about you? Yeah. Um, you had Clippers-Bucks, right? Clippers-Bucks, yeah. I had Lakers-Bucks, so we'll have to see uh, who wins that. Maybe we'll have to place a bet um, on that between the both of us, see who wins we'll that We'll have one. to put a friendly wager, and then when the Bucks lose, we'll both be like, oh, man, this isn't good. <laughs> <laughs> well, then we both – would we both win that or we both lose? Because no one's really losing at that play. Nah, I think you we'll have, have to, to get both out. of the finals teams right. Well, yeah. Well, for sure. But, okay. All right. We'll get into it another How day. about this? We'll let our viewers kind of help us with the stakes here. What should what should be on the line here for this uh, NBA playoffs bet? Give us some ideas. We'll throw some ideas out during our next show. List them here, and then we'll read them off uh, to start next week's uh, podcast. And also, give us your finals predictions. Um, looking forward to seeing that. Um, I think a lot of people are probably picking the same teams, but uh, you never know. Let's see. Uh, so let us know what your finals predictions are. Now, let's take this final segment of the show into the NFL, and the teams are starting to report the camp. And before we get into the whole coronavirus um, situation, there is a brief topic that I do want to talk to you about, and I didn't mention to you before because I want, I want your, um, I want your realistic thought process on this what do you think about tom brady and bucks gear now that we actually have seen him with with the team and throwing i want to know what you think about this you know it's really it's weird you know it's not something that i haven't experienced before though because it happens in all sports you know it was weird to see peyton manning in a broncos uniform right because we always saw him in a colts uniform it was weird seeing albert pult in an angels uniform because we always saw him in a cardinals uniform so and I think you go back a decade, it was weird to think or even see LeBron in a Miami uniform because we always saw him as a Cavalier. So it's something that just happens in sports. I don't think any of us ever thought that Tom Brady would be in a different uniform. I know it became a little bit more likely the past few years, especially going into this offseason. Um, and, and due to social media, living in 2020 and the generation and society that we live in, we're able to kind of see things before they happen between you know, Photoshopping and and the way people are able to, to make things happen te- technologically. So we kind of had an idea of what it was going to look like. I was actually on a boardwalk a few weeks back, and I saw one of those 
Boardwalk Games and there was the jerseys up. And I saw Brady and I was like, man, this is just strange. It's just strange to see. They also had a Gronkowski one. So it's weird. But as a Jets fan, once again, you could go on any other team. I don't care what jersey you're in. Just get out of the division. What, what, what do you think? I, I have to admit, the weirdest player for me in football to see in another uniform was Brett Favre. I, I don't know why it just was. Seeing him in a Jets uniform still to this day makes me weird. It's it's a weird feeling. Seeing Tom Brady in, in Bucks gear, it, it was shocking, obviously, that he left to me because for 20 years he tormented us, and I felt like he just loved tormenting the AFC and the AFC East in general. But seeing him in Tampa Bay gear and knowing that he's in somebody else's division now, even at 40-plus years old, it was such a nice feeling. And I, I still don't buy into the fact that the Bucks are real contenders. I don't think that he's got that much left in the tank. Um, I think that they're going to hype them up as much as they can. They have a great skill set of receivers, and, and you bring in Shady McCoy, and like you said, you have Gronk. But I still think that Bill Belichick did a nice job of hiding his flaws in Tampa. and In, in New England, is Tampa going to be able to do that? You make a lot of good points because what they seem to be, and I'm not going to say they're going to do good or bad. I think they're going to be the most interesting team to watch for sure because we know how, and look, statistics, no statistics, it doesn't matter. We know how valuable Tom Brady is. We know what he brings to any team that he's on. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But they also have a lot of big names, right? You have Shady McCoy. You have Rob Gronkowski. But at the same time, these are veterans now. Are they going to play? Like, yes, their name holds a lot of weight, but is their play going to? I don't really know. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but I, I, I know I'm going to sound repetitive. As long as he's out of my division, I'm fine with it. I don't care. Um, another interesting thing is I saw, and if you want to bring up this topic, we don't have to talk about him, but I saw Cam Newton in, in a Pats uniform as well. And that was really strange to me as well, something I never thought I'd see either. Yeah, his cute little what was it, the the cute little team photo where his hair's up in a bun. Yeah, one of those. That's that's an interesting look. Uh, not it's not as weird as Brady, but it is weird because we're so used to seeing him in a Panthers uniform. But like nobody realizes, nobody really talks about it. But the the NFC South is not an easy division. Like Tom Brady's not going in there and going fifteen and one or fourteen and two and beating up on the Jets and the Bills and the Dolphins. He's playing against Hall of Fame quarterbacks in Breeze, a, a Hall of Fame caliber player in Matt Ryan. You know, um, Tampa, I'm not Tampa Bay. I keep saying Tampa Bay, but Carolina's better. They got McCaffrey. They're not going to be a slouch. You know, so it's not going to be a cakewalk. I hope that Cam Newton really doesn't work out in New England because, you know, that would really be terrifying for me as a Jets fan. And, <laughs> and you know, we just had Brady for 20 years. We need them to have a quarterback drought. Yeah, we, we definitely do. You know, I, I think Cam Newton could still bring a lot. I think he still brings a lot to the table. Uh, you know, he's, in my opinion, I know he hasn't really played like it, but if he plays the way he used to, he's a superstar in this league. I'm not saying he's going to win a Super Bowl, but now they're playing under Bill Belichick, so anything's possible. Him being him in that Pats uniform just doesn't look right to me. You know, just like Tom Brady in a, in a Bucks uniform doesn't look right to me. Uh, you know, but talking about Tom Brady – the big thing for him, and it's the first time in his career, I'm going to say, it's going to be week in and week out in that division where every game is important because you're not running into the bad Jets, the bad Bills, and the bad Dolphins anymore. It's not a cakewalk into the playoffs. You're versing the Saints, who 
We talked about Madden the other day. They're the highest rated team. So according to Madden, they're the best team in the league. Um, Atlanta, we know the veterans that they have. They added, they added a nice – they added quite a few nice pieces to their team in free agency this year. Guys like Gurley, um, the defensive uh, end. I forget his name. Uh, Dexter Fowler. They added some nice pieces. And then Carolina, listen, it's hard to say what Carolina's going to do because you have Teddy Bridgewater in at QB now. We know McCaffrey's a stud. They've had a lot of changes. They lost a lot of guys. But they also have a new coach. So Carolina's just in the mix, but it's it's not going to be an easy run for them. And that's that's something that Tom Brady hasn't experienced yet in the NFL, which is crazy because he's been there for two decades. And if you look at his numbers, right, go go back – and, and you look at his numbers. How many times did Brady really have to throw the ball in recent memory uh, a lot of times in a ball game? Like, and, and deep balls. I'm, I'm not talking the little dump passes he would throw to the, those running backs that he would make relevant. Like, Bro. you're going to be in a slugfest with Brees. You're going to have to throw the ball 50 times a game. Like, there might be 40 to 45 points a game, and you're going to have to keep up with that. That's not easy at 43. Yeah, it's a good point. I didn't think about that. You know, Saints are a team that's known – they're known for putting up a lot of points. We know Atlanta's led by their offense. We know they can put up points. So, yeah, Brady's going to have to throw. But in their case, I think the bigger thing with Tampa is, he's, is he going to be protected? Because we know he has the receivers. You know, we, he has Godwin. He has uh, Evans. He has Gronkowski and Howard at, at the tight end position. So he's going to have the guys to catch the ball, but is he going to have time to throw the ball? Is he going to be able to make those throws? That's the biggest questions in my opinion. Absolutely. And as we talk about a possible football season, uh, there's a lot of doubt regarding the NFL um, in terms of the players uh, speaking out in terms of the coronavirus. And now they have up until Thursday to opt out of the current season. We've seen a lot of players opt out. And Odell Beckham Jr., a guy who never is included in the drama, opened his mouth and, and made a comment and you have to take his comment to, in seriousness and here it is. He said, we're not ready for football season so why are we trying to push forward? I just feel like the season shouldn't happen and I'm prepared for it to not happen and I wouldn't not, I wouldn't, I would not mind not having it. Those are the quotes from Beckham. So you're sitting there and you're hearing this from one of the game's biggest stars. There's uncertainty about the NFL season amidst all this coronavirus issue that the world is dealing with. He also said in the article that I read, he mentioned that this is basically just the owners being greedy and not treating the players as human beings. And it's all about their money. Right. And I guess the reporter and said, well, if the NBA is doing it and the NHL is doing it and, and they're doing fine. Right. I know the MLB has had some positive tests, but the but the M- NBA and the NHL have not. He said, what would be the difference? He said the difference is that there's more players in a locker room in football, and it's more of a contact sport. So listen, I agree with him to an extent. I agree there's going to be more more people in those locker rooms. There's going to be more people on the sidelines. It's going to be – it's more of a contact sport. So it is very possible for um, you know the virus to spread or for some of them to test positive for having the virus, but – the NFL, they've had the most time to figure out a plan on how to get around this and to, to make a season turn out to be successful. I mean, they haven't had to deal with this. There was no, we need to get a season started. There was no, we need to resume our season. 
their season ended at the perfect time, and then the, the virus hit. So it's up to Goodell and all the owners and the NFLPA to figure out how to keep these players safe and to keep them healthy and to be testing negative. Um, so I want to see football. I think if the NBA and the NHL could do it, there's no the, – the NFL is going to start. I should put it that way. It's definitely going to start. They're at least going to give it a shot. You'd be dumb to not give it a shot. And then as the season progresses, you figure it out. It's not a situation where you have to play every other day. You're playing once a week. So if they have to find ways to, to limit practice and keep these guys away from each other just to play on, on game day, then they're going to have to do it. So that's kind of my thought, my initial thought on it. See, I listened to Devin and Jason McCourty speak on it, and, and when they said that they were not concerned about themselves, but they were concerned about what their teammates were doing and how they were handling their business, it really stood, stood out to me. Like, you mentioned the NBA and the NHL, and yeah, they have done a really nice job. They really have, but they're secluded. They're not doing that with the NFL, and I feel like the owners are kind of dropping the ball a little bit on precautions, and I think that a lot of guys are scared uh, to not only put themselves at risk, but to put their families at risk as well. You saw C.J. Mosley from the Jets opt out, um, citing a possible uh, exposure to his son or his child. I, it's totally understandable. If I'm Beckham and I don't feel comfortable playing, I opt out. And I think that you're going to see a lot of stars start to opt out, and that's where the game's going to hurt. And yeah, I get what Beckham's saying. It's a business, and, and nobody wants to lose their money. Uh, you totally and wholeheartedly understand that. I'm sure these guys don't want to give up their salaries because of the virus. But I think that, like you said, the NFL and the NFLPA have to come together and figure out, you know, this is how we're going to keep this going. This is how we're going to keep everybody safe. And, and until then, and I know they they keep pushing up the opt-out date because they're afraid guys are going to just say, you know what, forget this. But I think the NFL should take this as a hint like, you know, these precautions aren't good enough. Like, help us out. We're trying to work with you here. Let's figure this out so we can play. Yeah, I think the situation or the plan that would give you the best possible outcome is by isolating these players and putting them in a bubble. I don't know if the NFL is going to be able to do that, but I think it's in their best interest to at least try to do that. Um, and that might come about in these next few weeks considering the NFL is right around the corner, which is crazy to say because these, it just doesn't feel that way. Um, but yeah, if they go into the season like the MLB is doing, and there really isn't that true isolation from society, there's really not really that bubble feel, it's, they're going to struggle to get through the season. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, so they need to try to figure it out. That's why I said it's going to come down to Goodell and, and those owners and the NFLPA to figure something out. But that's something they should have already been figuring out. I don't think they've done a good enough job. And if, if that's the point that Odell's making, then I'm in agreement with them. Now, the, the issue with that is 16 weeks is a lot longer than what you would anticipate for the NBA and the NHL restart. You know, it's a long time away from families. It's a long time away from normal life. But... I think that the NFL, if they really dug into it, could find a solution. And my solution would be you you isolate your teams in an area where you say you keep the, the AFC and the NFC East together. And you play at one spot. And, you know, you, you play your division twice. You play your um, non-conference uh, rivals once. And, you know, you shorten the season and then your playoffs are wherever. You host them, whatnot. But having an isolated bubble like that would allow teams to stay closer to where they are uh, regionally 
and and give the players an opportunity to kind of stay closer to their families. I don't know if it would help, but I think the travel. Look at look at San Fran, right? San Fran plays two of their first three games in New York. You're going across the country for two games, like in a in a pandemic. That's just mind boggling to me. So I think that they do have to alter the schedule a little bit. I don't think it's going to play out uh, with travel. I think it's going to cause more exposure. But that's something I think that the NFL has to look at, and I don't think they're ready to look at that. I don't think they want to look at that because they don't want to lose revenue. Yeah, they might have to look into possibly regionalizing those games. I know that was one of the original plans of the MLB, possibly regionalizing the games and and kind of uh, limiting the travel for these uh, teams and organizations. But the NFL might have to think about doing that. And I think it's very possible, uh, but just like any of these, these leagues getting restarted or starting their season in general, it's tough, you know, and whoever has to make these decisions is going to be tough. I can't think of something off the top of my head. That's going to be, you know, work out perfectly for them, but they at least, in my opinion, they at least have to try. They have to at least try to restart the season or start the season in their case. And I hope that they do. I hope they do too. Obviously, the Jets not playing would save me a lot of uh, heartache and blood pressure rising. But, you know, at the end of the day, I want to see some football. And I know you do as well. We want to definitely talk about it. Now, final thoughts as we wrap up today's show. No, it's uh, back-to-back weeks where we're covering a few different topics. And it's been fun. It gives more of that sports center feel. And we know sports are back. And we enjoy watching multiple different sports. So why not talk about them? And I think each week it's been a lot easier to think of topics to talk about because news has just been floating around and we're going to get into even, even we're going to get into even more uh, better topics as time goes on, because these playoffs are really going to get started. I know we're going through these exhibition games and these qualifiers, but it's not real playoffs. So we know how the playoffs are just a completely different game than the regular season. So overall, and I always enjoy talking sports with you. So I'm going to give you the same response at the end of every episode. Uh, What did you think? Again, I can echo that. I love talking sports with you. I love that we have live sports to talk about. Uh, there's two things that I want to mention today uh, that kind of go along with the show, but uh, one on a personal level. Number one, on Anchor, as you guys know, that's our hosting site for our podcast. That's where our audio is hosted. If you go to our website, there is a link on there where you could support our show. Um, you could do monthly payments to support our show. It could be small, it could be large, however you may want to do it. Um, If you want to support our show, we definitely appreciate it. It goes toward all the production costs that we do have. Um, So in in advance, we thank you for your support. We thank you all for listening in. Um, Your support is definitely appreciated on every single level. Also, when you go on Anchor, uh, if you go on our social media feeds, we posted that you can leave us voicemails. If you want to give us a question, give us a shout-out, whatever you want to talk about, let us know, and we'll make it happen. We'll air it on our next available podcast so that's something that we're uh, looking into and we think is really cool on a personal level a special happy birthday shout out to my dad uh the big 56 his favorite player is lawrence taylor so it's kind of fitting that he's now 56 living up his lawrence taylor your happy birthday dad uh hopefully it's a great day for you uh and a great year to come uh, but other than that i got nothing else i think uh that's it for today what about you we good for today or I'm good for today. Uh, shout out to Uncle Sean. Happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. And um, to everyone else, I um, hope 
hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and we hope to see you next week. Yeah, thank you guys again, especially given that we're on Wednesday night this week. Uh, we'll be back to Thursday night next week. It's only a one-week thing, a couple of busy things going on between us. Uh, so we moved up the show, but again, we thank you all for listening in. Until next week, that's Kyle Delahanty. I'm Nick Delahanty, and this is the Let's Debate Podcast powered by Delahanty Media. We look forward to talking sports with you really, really soon. Take care. Take care, guys.